presence. Um, before you take your seats, there was a scripture that was shared to me with me a couple of weeks ago. I don't want, to, want you all to hear it. Um, um, uh, 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 somebody shared this with me and it was an important scripture. Um, it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 4. It says, who comforts us, comforted us in all our tribulations. Like, there is a God who seeks to give us comfort whenever we are troubled. That's the kind of God we serve. We are led to believe when you look at other myths and other legends that gods are afar off, almost distant, uncaring. But that's not the testimony of this God. He cares. He is specifically caring about you. He's not distant. He's not removed. He is not apart from. He is with you. Blessed be the God, even the God of our Father, Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies. He describes God as the Father of Jesus Christ and in the same sentence, the Father of mercies. It's not an accident that he's saying he's both the Father of Jesus Christ and the Father of mercies. Why am I saying this so specifically? Because in Jesus, we have this mercy. You want to know why he's so concerned about you, this God that is so big? They say you can't even, they don't even know what the end of the universe looks like. The light hasn't traveled that far yet. And so how do we know, this God must be so big if he's bigger than that. So how does he care about this little old me on this little old earth at this particular moment in time? And the scripture would have you believe that he cares because of the son, Jesus Christ. He's able to concentrate all that of who he is into me because he gave us his son, Jesus. And he's going to be concerned about his son. He has to be concerned about me. Ah, glory to God. I'm excited about the scripture this morning. It says, who comforts us in all tribulations that we may be able to comfort them which are in trouble. Ah, the scripture you gave me was a good one. He says, because I know what trouble feels like, I should be able to help you when you're in trouble. Hallelujah, glory to God. And it says, because Jesus knew what trouble was more than any of us, that's why he's the God of mercy. He knows what trouble looks like. He knows what worry looks like. He knows what concern looks like. He knows what it is to lose a friend. He knows what it is to lose family. He knows. He knows what it is to be betrayed. He knows what it is to be left out. He knows what it is to be rejected. He knows what it is to be hurt. He knows what it is to feel pain. And so because he knows, he cares. Because he cares, he shows mercy. Uh, glory to God. Let me just finish out the scripture. It, it, when, it, when, when he was sharing the scripture in the, in the parking lot, I almost wanted to come back in and get another round of church. Let me just keep reading this out. Who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them, thank you Jesus, them which are in any trouble. Because I got in trouble. When I see you in trouble, I'm coming. 
What trouble you in? What, what trouble? What are you going through? I know how it feels. But by the comfort where we, we ourselves are comforted of God. I'm not coming to you with any comfort. I'm coming to you with his comfort. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. Because Christ's sufferings in me, how he was redeemed is within me. How he's rescued is in me. Yeah, yeah, I've got all the trouble, but I've got all the redemption too. I've got the hurt, but I've got the joy. <laughs> I've got the trouble, but I've got the security in Jesus. I was just, I wanted to share that scripture. Please take your seats. I just needed to share that before I even got into my word today. I almost, when I got into my car and I was, re- when I was, um, it was Brother Quincy, who shared it with me, when I, when I got into my car, I almost turned around. Called everybody back. That's a scripture that got me in my spirit. In my shanana, as they say in the, old, in the old church. That got me right here. Because sometimes we're in trouble and we put on our best face while we are in trouble. And everybody, no one knows, but the Lord knows what I'm dealing with. And he's saying, I'm with you. And if everybody around you is with me, they're with you too. So we are each other's, uh, each other's help. Amen. Amen. Today I am so grateful to the Holy Spirit for his presence. So grateful for my salvation. This salvation I have through Jesus Christ. This offering of the baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus, which gives me this precious salvation. The Holy Spirit, which he has given me. I'm so grateful for it all. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that I live in this moment and that his full and rich salvation has been offered to me. There's a song we used to sing in the old church. It was, um, I am resting at the cross. I don't know if you know it. I'm resting at the cross. I am resting at the cross. Glory be to Jesus. I have counted all but loss. I have found, you know that one, Sister Son? I have found a full salvation. I'm resting at the cross. It's a bit too old for you. (laughs) I am resting at the cross. I am resting at the cross, and I'm so grateful for this idea of salvation in my life. (laughs) It makes me get up just that one more time. I'm so um, energized by it, and this morning I'm I'm grateful to be in your presence. Today I was thinking about, this week actually, I was thinking about um, some of the things we're going through, and the topic we, in fact, that that scripture goes goes into, is that we are, we're not removed from trouble. The question is, how are you going to deal with trouble? A few weeks ago, I gave the analogy um, of uh, the uh, folks in South America, in the Amazon rainforest specifically, who, um, to get any kind of nutrient or any kind of crop from the ground, they chop down the trees, they burn it, and then weeks later, they start to grow their potatoes and their yams and everything in the ground. Because up until that point, the ground wasn't good to grow. It wasn't nutrient, doesn't have any nutrients in it, doesn't have anything that can sustain or support growth. So what actually happens is that first, before they start to grow something, they have to start to look what that looks like destroying it. It looks like the ground and the area is being vandalized, frankly. If you were to look at it in, from the outside, you would wonder what's going on here. Um, but um, it's important to realize that without this kind of process, you can't get to growth. 
You can't get to grow unless you go through something. I don't know if you've ever had a test ready for school. I, I still literally have those recurring dreams. I think I've said this before about university. It was so stressful. Like I remember that, that last year, I was going through the last year of university and um, trying to get projects ready. Man, I used to wake up months later and still do. I'm, I'm dozens of years, 20 years removed from, from university and I still wake up thinking I've got an assignment. Like I've missed it, the deadline. I still do that right now, like I've missed the, because it was so stressful to me. I still wake up thinking about that. And, and I'm wondering sometimes if sometimes the trouble we have messes with us in a way that affects the mind. And I wanted to kind of talk about that today because sometimes we let troubles overtake us. And I wanted to get a counter to that because the scripture tells us how to deal with these situations. Uh, Long before you ever thought the idea of going to see a, a therapist, and, and I'm not speaking against that, long before you ever thought of, the scripture was telling you how to deal with it. And I want us to kind of bring out that pattern today. Amen? I want us to go, first of all, um, to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, if we could. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. This is an important scripture. This is the people um, Paul is speaking to. These people are not the best. <laughs> And what do I mean by that? They are in all kinds of issues, troubles, problems. And he addresses them in this letter. Paul the Apostle is addressing them in this letter. Um, we sometimes worry, wonder and worry about the quality and the, and the nature of the church. But I'm here to tell you there's, the problems in the church have always been there. As evidenced from the people in Corinthians. They were dealing with all kinds of difficult ungodly situations and Paul had to deal with them all but he was also very positive about how they could get through their situations how they could get out of it and how they could deal with it and I want to kind of get into 2nd Corinthians chapter 10 there's a few scriptures but this is the anchor scripture if you will 2nd Corinthians chapter 10 and if we can start at verse 3 he says verse 3 says for though we walk in the flesh we do not war after the flesh even though every single one of us is walking around here and you can recognize who I am because of the way I look, because of all these, I'm six foot three and a half, three and three quarters. I am, I am um, 200 and some odd pounds, I'm not gonna tell you. Um, you can recognize me because of what I look like. I'm walking around in this flesh, cannot deny it. But the fight I'm in has got nothing to do with this. Nothing to do with what you can see. The great fight that's going on with me and I expect is going on with you, is going on inside on the inner man. That's the real fight. Some of us are fighting on the outside, but the real fight is going on on the inside. And so Paul is setting the tone and saying, yeah, you walk, you, 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 you're having difficulty with adultery, fornication, and all these other things, but I assure you that's an outward expression of what is going on on the inside. You're fighting on the outside, but the war is really happening on the inside, yeah? Verse four, for the weapons, and he's trying to tell you, if we are in fact fighting a fight, if we are in a fight, that means if you want the advantage, you need some weapons. <laughs> if you want the advantage in a fight, don't knuckle up. That's, yeah, I mean, you, if you're good, then go for it. But the person with the biggest weapons usually wins the fight. It's just the way it's always worked. So he's trying to tell them the weapons that you're going to deal with, verse, uh, verse 4, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. 
are not based in the flesh. So you can work out all day, and that's not going to help the war that you're fighting on the inside. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, are not carnal, thank you Jesus, but it says what? They are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. <laughs> they are mighty, not because you worked out this week. They are mighty, not because you avoided the temptation that you were dealing with. They are mighty, not because you avoided the argument or the problem. They are mighty because God is involved. <laughs> and note, he describes the problems as strongholds. The probably more modern word we'd use today is a castle. It is to the pulling down of castles that are aligned against you. It's a place of fortification. It's a place where you have gathered all your strength. So there's a trouble that's working against your spirit, your inner person, and it's gathered together and it's fortified in a tower, in a stronghold. And the scripture says that the mightiness of God will pull it down. It's gonna wreck it, it's gonna break the walls. Now if you've seen the techniques, there's a couple of techniques for taking out a castle. Um, when my wife and I were living in England, we spent time going to all, all the castles we could in the area. The thing that's common to them all is that all the walls are broken. Why? Because at some point, somebody got upset with the person who was in the castle. And for whatever reason, they got their armies to come and destroy the castle, right? Every single castle has broken walls, almost all of them. And what happened is, to get inside, the first thing you do is break the walls of the stronghold. Then we can fight on an even Otherwise, if you don't break the walls of the stronghold, you're at a disadvantage. So there's some things in your life right now that are in strongholds. You've got to put them under attack. We've got to attack those things. I want to break the walls. And no, no one's living in those castles today. Why? Because the walls are broken down and they're not good to anybody. As soon as you break the walls of the strongholds, they're no longer strongholds. <laughs> In fact, the best you could describe it as a place to be trapped in. That's the best it could be. So if we can destroy our strongholds through God, we get to change what's going on in the spiritual warfare. This is the part, verse 5 is really where I'm going to sit today. Because it's a really important part of the entire strategy for dealing with trouble in our life. I don't know why this, this 2024 album... I've only preached on trouble, dealing with trouble, dealing with adversity, dealing with issues that are coming on. I'm not prophet, prophesying this for 2024. I just want us to be ready no matter what. Amen? Um, um, but verse 5 is the important part. I'm going to go slowly, especially if you've got the King James Version here. I'm going to go slowly because there's some words we don't use today. But they are all really, really important. Um, it says, casting down imaginations. Amen. And every high thing, this is after he's talked about pulling down strongholds, okay? Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought, not the flesh, every thought to the obedience of Christ. I want to go slowly here. Casting down the imagination. I don't know about you, but this happens to me a lot. 
I will have whole arguments with people that are not in the room. Like, I will imagine the worst about a situation before it ever shows up. And I'm getting upset with the thing that I'm imagining the other person said. And they haven't said, that's me. I'm the one causing the argument with the imaginary version of the thing that I'm going through. It could be work. I'm like, if they ever said this to me, it would be, yeah. Oh, you're saying that to myself? And I'm gonna say this back to you. And you are in a full-scale argument with somebody that doesn't even speak to you. Am I the only one? So, my imagination is running away with me. And when I get to the situation, it's nothing like the thing I imagine. But I, unfortunately, my emotions have run through all the things that I created in my imagination. Isn't that happening? So if I got upset in the situation, I really did get upset. But the situation wasn't real. <laughs> your thoughts create feelings. And your feelings create actions. So we have to get under control our thoughts to control the feelings, to control the actions. Uh, this is what the scripture is telling us. What does it mean? Just read verse 4 again. Casting down imagination or destroying the arguments. That's the other way to think about this. Destroying the very real arguments. <laughs> Amen? And every high thing, everything, every high thing, another way to say it, every arrogant thing that thinks, amen, every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. What is the knowledge of God that he's speaking about here? He's saying that he's going to pull down the stronghold. That's the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God is that he's going to be our help. That is the knowledge of God. I'm not going to get into an argument with myself that causes me to argue against whether God is in my life or not. I'm going to have to get a hold of that part of my imagination. I have to get a hold of it because if my thoughts can't be controlled then my feelings can't be controlled and my actions can't be controlled either. Let me see here. He says, casting down imaginations casting down the very ideas that come into my head. I'm not fighting a fleshly battle, I'm fighting a spiritual one. So it begins with my thoughts, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. I'm here to tell you the knowledge of God is that you're saved, yes. is that he died for you, yes. is that he loves you. Uh, that imagination that calls itself and says, yeah, you're not loved. You know they don't like you. You know you're alone. No, I'm not. I am loved. I'm never alone. That's arrogant thinking right there. Amen. That's high-minded thinking right there. But God loves me. He died for me. Gave everything for me. That is the, what God is to me. I've got to take into captivity. Let me get, I'm going to head myself. He says here, that the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity. The word captivity is the same as into prison. In prisons, you can't eat when you want. You've got to eat when they say you eat. In prisons, you can't go to bed when you want. You're going to go to, you go to bed when they switch off the lights. 
You can't go outside when you want to. You can't visit friends when you want to. When something is in captive, when something is in prison, it is restricted where it can go. The scripture is telling you that you have to put your thoughts in prison. The ones that would say that some God is not the greatest, you've got to put that thought in prison. I've got to capture that thing like a fugitive. Throw it in jail and not let it out. <laughs> this is, you know what, this idea is what they use in, in therapy today. But I think they got it from the scripture. They literally say your thoughts to your feelings to your actions. This is CBT, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. They literally, I think they stole it out of the word and, and made a PhD and started spreading it over the world. Well done, I'm going back to the word. So I'm gonna put my thoughts, some of my thoughts in prison. The ones that say I'm alone. The one that said I'm not good enough. I'm putting you in jail. You're never getting out. Lifetime sentence on that thought. You're not coming out. Why? Because I need to be free because the Lord said I'm free. You've let some thoughts that should have been prisoners walk all around your mind all day and they should be prisoners. Those thoughts should be in jail. Wait a minute, that thought should be in jail. That thought shouldn't be out, out free roaming the streets. That thought should be on lockdown right now. When we went through the COVID thing, everybody was on the inside. I remember they showed, they showed a, a example of how nature was healing because humans were on the inside, how the world was healing itself, how the, um, the smog over cities was clearing up for the first time in 70 years. And they showed how um, the nature was coming back out and coming into areas they had thought they'd given away. Why? Because the people tearing up the place we're in lockdown. I'm here to tell you there's some thoughts in your mind that have been tearing up the place. And we need to institute a lockdown on those thoughts that have been running roughshod over your mind. I want to cast those things that are exalting themselves against God and his purpose in my life into jail right now. Hallelujah, verse, verse three says, verse five said, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I wanna clear up my mind in such that the only thing that's free to roam in my mind are the thoughts that confirm the obedience to Christ. The only ones that can pop up and have a discussion with me in the middle of the day when no one else is around are the thoughts that say I am in obedience to Christ. I want those songs to pop up. I don't want the negative thoughts to pop up. I want the positive to be there, amen? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse five, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. Thank you, Lord. Bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I'm gonna share one more scripture. Let's go to um, 
First uh, Corinthians chapter three. First Corinthians chapter three. If you could find that for me, sir. Verse nine. So we are going to on our mission today. We are bringing our thoughts into subjection through the word. We're going to understand what it is the word says about us. That's what we're going to set free. The thing the world says about us, the thing that the flesh says about us, the thing that our enemies say about us, we're going to put those thoughts in jail. Amen? Amen. I'm going to destroy those thoughts. Amen. Because if I need to grow, I need the ground to be good to grow with. Right? I'm going to come back to my first thought here that there's some land that I've got to chop down what's there first. It might look green, but I can't feed on that. Amazon rainforest looks green. It looks green, but you can't eat the stuff there. It's all trees. <laughs> so they chop it down. Let's go, go to that real quick. Chapter 3, at, go to verse, yes, verse 9. 4. Yes. are laborers together. So we are all here as workers together. Together we make up the body of Christ, and that makes us workers together. Okay? Yes, sir. laborers together with God. Yeah. Ye are God's husbandry. Okay, another word here, interesting word. We don't use it today. But this is another word for field or farmland. We are God's field and we are his farmland. We are the people who he's working on. We are that. He is working on us. Remember, he has got to get the land ready first before it can yield fruit. So if that means he has to break up the fallow ground first, that's what he will do. And it, while it feels uncomfortable to have the ground broken up, it's necessary for genuine growth, for fruit. Amen? Amen. Let's keep going. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. Man, two things he compares us to is the land as farmers and as uh, people who are laborers on the land. And he compares us to a building, the two things he compares us to here is, and I'm going to lean into the, build, into the land part, but keep, keep going, sir, in verse 10. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder. Yes. I have laid the foundation. Yep. And another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed <sighs> how he buildeth thereupon. So we have to be very careful. When we are building this land or when we're preparing the ground, exactly what we are building, if it's built on God, we have to be careful to build like he builds. Let's keep going. For other foundations, verse 11, yeah. no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus If we're going to do something with this land, if we're going to do something with this building, it's going to be in line with Jesus, the true and firm foundation. Yes, yes, yes. Amen? Yes. I'm not going to diverge from the plan. I don't know if you've ever had, had a house built. I've not been blessed to have a house built yet. Um, but I can only imagine you can't have two sets of plans for a house building and expect to have a good outcome. Like, it's got to be one master plan. Like, who's got the architect's drawing? We're not building from two plans. We're building from one. Amen? Let's keep going. I just need to get to verse... Go keep going. Verse 12. Now, yeah. if any man build upon this foundation gold... Silver, yeah. precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall 
to, to, excuse me, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. Oh, okay, yes. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Oh, man, the fire's going to come. Inevitably, it comes. We can't avoid it. But the question is, what are you building towards? What are you building and what are you getting ready to plant? For some, the fire was destructive, depending on what you're going for. Hallelujah, glory to God. Now, if I start burning fields in Ohio, they'll put me in jail because that's not the way they do it here. That's not the type of crop they need here. The ground is fine. And so depending on what you're producing, depending on what you're building, the fire is going to only help you. But depending on what you're doing, sometimes the fire destroys. Amen. And so in my case, my purpose is to be built on nothing less than the blood and the foundation of Christ. So I don't care what kind of fire comes, my foundation is sure. Hallelujah. You start to realize what kind of building it has and whether it's up to code depending on, on whether the building survives. In California right now, you can't build a single building unless it meets a particular code. Why? Because they, they know that the big one's about to come. By the big one, we mean the earthquake. And they're saying, we're not going to allow you to build unless you make a specific specification. And this church is necessarily built on the foundation which is Christ. There's a beautiful song that my niece has produced a few weeks ago. It's this, that, this, that this is a firm foundation, a rock on which I stand. When everything around me is shaken, every, I'm still, I'll never be let down. This is a firm foundation. It's not me, I need you to be very careful here. It's not me that's the firm foundation. At all. I am not the firm foundation. Christ is the firm foundation. I'm simply here to introduce you to him and get out of the way. That is my whole purpose. When it said, what was the types of material it went through? Verse 12, now, if any man build upon this foundation, yes. gold, yes. silver, yep. precious stone. Precious stone. Those are the, those are the foundations we want. Wood. Wood isn't going to make it through the fire. Let's be very clear. People are building with all kinds of things, and the wood isn't making it. Amen? What else? Wood, hay, stubble. This kind of, I mean, I don't mean to get too ridiculous. You remember the story of the three little pigs? Like, this is, I think, again, they're stealing from my word here. But the one who built with some idea that this needs to hang around for a second was okay. I just want you to build like that last pig. I just want us to build like that. Not on my stuff. I, I'm not going to be here forever. I might get sick. I might lose my spiritual mind. But Christ is the firm foundation. Thank you. Yes, sir. My job, my entire purpose is to preach Jesus. To preach Jesus until the Holy Spirit comes. That's my purpose. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your